Awesome. Oh, Crossing Church, how are you doing today? Yeah, come on now. Look out there, John. Oh, it's a beautiful sight. So good to be in the house of the Lord with the, with the people of the Lord, experiencing the presence of the yeah. Lord. And we welcome you, welcome all of our campuses that are joining all across this region. How good it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. There is nothing quite like it. And uh, really enjoying the series that we've been in better how to win at home. And I, I know that there's been a lot of really good things that have come out of that, that you guys are personally doing in your own lives and is translating all the way across the board in your families. And, and that's awesome. It's, it's just awesome when great things are going on. There's great things going on uh, inside and online too. So thankful for each and every one of you being a part along with all of our locations. And it is an awesome time to be part of a family of believers. Got Easter coming up in a couple of weeks. It's going to be yeah. a big day. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. Last week, just incredible uh, being able to preach with Andre. Did he bring the word or not? You, you know, he did. awesome Amen. how he brought the word. So uh, I was there, you know, at, at, after the, the, the preaching time was over and sitting in the front and enjoying the worship and participating in the worship like everybody else. And I'm thinking about what's coming. I'm thinking about the next week. And, and we're going to be talking about balance today and what that means. And so in my mind, I, I'm thinking, you know, I need, a, I need an example for balance. I need uh, some way of a, a, attaching that. Uh, and uh, who do I know that really lives out a balanced life. I want you to think about that yourself right now. Who do you know that's around you that you have a pretty close relationship with that you could say, that person really lives a balanced life? And maybe you don't know exactly what I'm saying, but, but I'm talking about a Christ-centered, balanced life. Who do you know like that? So I'm thinking about that and realized while I was thinking that in worship, but I was staring right at the guy. Because it's John. I mean, I know that John actually lives that. And I'm not saying that just to puff you up, that I've known you for 16 years in this role. I actually knew you before that, but uh, on staff at the crossing for 16 years, and it's been a, an amazing ride. He has great parents that raised him up. That had a lot to do with balance in your life. He has always had this really deep love for the church. And the church can be difficult sometimes, and, and I know you've experienced some difficulty there, but you've loved the church all the way through that. He went to Bible college, and then he served. He served at 929. Can I hear it for 929? Yeah! <laughs> he served at Lima. Can I hear it for hey! Lima? He served at 48th Street. You know, he's done yeah! that. He's been the campus pastor at 929, and now he leads worship and media ministries for all of our campuses, all of our locations. So if you want to know like where I began on this idea of balance, there's really a, this, is, this is really how I judge you more than anything else. He married way, way over his head. Preach. Okay, just like, I don't even know. Don't you know? disagree. Uh, Shauna, his wife, came from a great Christ uh, committed family parents. Uh, they were both committed to sexual purity 
from the beginning of their relationship, which started when they were like two or something. I don't remember. It's like been a while. And, and, uh, and I remember I was at their wedding, and uh, part of their wedding ceremony was white roses, and it was white roses uh, commemorating that sexual purity. And uh, after the wedding, I mean, that impressed me. And after the wedding, uh, they had all these white roses, and they didn't know what they were going to do with them. And I was going to preach a sermon, and I decided to, that I would use those as an illustration of sexual purity. People that wanted to take that, that step that day and say, I want to commit myself to sexual purity. And we started handing out those white roses for that. And uh, that was so well received. So many people wanted to commit to that, that I had to quit giving roses. And what I ended up doing was we ended up tearing the white petals off. And we were giving everyone white petals that, was, uh, that, that were making that commitment. And I mean, think about the, the power of that, the value of that. Well, John's a committed discipler. If you don't believe me, just go to Qdoba Tuesday, Thursday. Thursday. Thursday yeah. And, and you'll see him there with somebody, pouring into somebody, being in relationship. He's a, he loves discipleship. He's a fierce friend, sometimes even more fierce than I like because... He will fight for relationship to the bitter end. I mean, he just won't give up. And uh, I see him in those environments regularly. They open their home to people that have a need for a place to stay. They've done that multiple times. And he and Shauna are no strangers uh, to hardship, pain, and challenge. And you're going to hear about their twins today. Uh, because that was about, what, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of you don't know that. Uh, they have four children here on earth. They have three in heaven. And I've seen their balance tested and tried, and it's endured. Enough to say that when we worship with John, that there's no guile in him. I mean, he's not trying to fake you out. That's really how he feels. And, and, it's, and, and that, it's that honesty that uh, I think captures many of our hearts. In our scripture today that we're going to be referring to, there's a section about following good examples. And I just want to tell you, I'm excited to be up here with John because John is a good example. Give him a welcome. Well, to be honest, I had a, a slightly jaded view of what I think of the word balance and when it's associated with the church. Growing up, I've been a part of different conversations, and, and balance, the conversation went like this. They would come talk to me, and they would say, well, I have this career, I have these hobbies, I have this relationship here, and I have this, and I have this, and then another piece was, I have my relationship with Christ. And to me, when we were talking about balance, it was more like fitting pieces into a pie, and trying to balance all those things, um, just balance them. And then when something would happen, such as a career move, someone would climb the ladder in a career, or maybe their relationship with their girlfriend or boyfriend would get more serious, what would happen was the, the pie, the balance would shift, and all of a sudden, the, usually the first thing to go would be the peace of Jesus. And so I've always had a jaded view, because when I'm thinking about the church and balance, there really is no balance when you talk about your relationship with Christ. But I'm thankful to say today that's not the balance we're talking about. We're talking about the balance of contentment, the one of peace in the midst of life, the type of balance you and I want for my family. You have goals, you have desires for your life and family, but sometimes we struggle 
to see a path to get there. We're in hope. The book of Philippians does us a good job of kind of giving us insight and direction towards that. So if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, that's all right. We're going to have it on the screen. I'm going to read it along. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at the last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Mm. Now let's break that down so that we can get a grip on what God is teaching us through Paul and maybe we can find that balance and our lives and our families will be better for it. Balance requires an attitude. An attitude begins with a choice. You know, Joshua said in the Old Testament as they were taking the promised land, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's Joshua saying there? He's saying, I'm making a choice. I'm making a choice for myself, and I'm making a choice for my family that we are better. Better, because we're going to let Christ or God in, in the Old Testament be at the very center place of my, my home and my life. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Same thing. All of our decisions in life need to flow out of that truth. And so our attitude and the choices we make for that attitude are critical to this. So let me say it this way, just with a, with a slogan, okay? Direction determines destination. The direction you set in your life will determine where you end up, the destination of your life. Let's say it together, ready? Direction, direction determines, determines destination. destination. So Paul, at, in this scripture in Philippians 4, he commands us, it's in the imperative, he commands us to rejoice because to rejoice is a choice. Really, it is. Now, I know that a lot of us, we just want to be carried along. You know, we just want to be in an environment circumstances, everything around us just kind of forces it out of us. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying to rejoice is a choice. How many times have you been in an environment, like a church environment, and you're supposed to be praising and worshiping, and you just don't feel like it? Come on, moment of honesty. How many of you times you've done it and you just don't feel like it, and the rest of you are lying, <laughs> lying. Shame, that's what shame. these steps are for yeah. later on. How many times are you called on to rejoice and you sing the words, but you really 
feel like you're forcing it. How about that? You feel like you're forcing it? Yeah. Why is that? Well, because rejoicing is a discipline. It really is. You have to make a choice to rejoice. You know, there's a lot of things in life that we either do or don't do because we'd rather do something else. That doesn't make this fake. It doesn't make rejoicing fake. You're just admitting that it's a choice. You're making a choice. And you got to decide whether or not you're going to do that. Many years ago, I was uh, uh, in a quartet, men's quartet, and we were asked to sing, and I was asked to preach at the Indiana State Farm, which is a, uh, a prison. And uh, so we went in there, and they had a praise band, and uh, these guys were actually very good. And then we got up, and we did our stuff. And then when they were done, there was about 500 uh, inmates in that, uh, in that room. And uh, when they were done, everybody clears off the stage, and, and I come up on the stage to preach, except for one guy. And he was a big, big guy. He was over seven foot tall. He just towered over me. And he was as wide as he was tall. He was just a big dude. And he didn't leave the stage. As a matter of fact, he brought out a stool and sat it behind me and sat down on it. So I started preaching my sermon. And let me tell you, it was weird. It was intimidating that I had this giant man behind me sitting on a stool while I was preaching. So I start preaching, and I'm talking, and uh, I said something uh, that obviously agreed with him because he went, mmm, mmm, making sure everything's okay, <laughs> kept going, preached a little bit more, and he went, mmm, mmm, like he just had a bite of dessert. And without really recognizing it, I started to feel better. I started to feel good. And the more I preached, the more he would respond. As a matter of fact, I found out the whole reason he was there, up there, was to encourage me. That was his gift, to just encourage me. And he was, mm, 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 you know. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it more. I'm starting to sweat you know, a little bit. And I'm preaching harder because he's encouraging me. And, and a little bit further into it, I said something. I don't remember what I said, but he went, no, say it again. <laughs> I went, I said it again. <laughs> and he went, then he went, mm, mm. Went a little further in the sermon and I said something else and he goes, say it again. And I go, I'm going to say it again. By that time, I'm screaming the sermon, sweat's <laughs> pouring down my face, and it felt so good. You know, he was making a choice. He was making a choice to rejoice. He was making a choice, and he was helping me to make a choice as well, and it makes all the difference in your attitude, John. Amen. It does. I want to talk afterwards about joining a quartet with you. I think that would be a great idea. Okay, yeah, right. You can be my Jerry Tone. <laughs> you guys got that right. Baritone, Jerry. Okay, that's good. All right. We got so there you go. Say it again, I will. My Jerry Tone. <laughs> I'll just be the big guy on oh, the stool you, behind you. Oh, you're my you. tiny. That's right. 
People who are happy, especially those who are happy in the Lord, are not apt to either give offense or take offense. And you know the people that I'm talking about, right? Those who just walk with a nice, steady pace. Those who always have a smile upon them. Those who always have a good encouragement that, that they give you. Those that know that their life, even when people try to knock them off balance, they just stay steady. Their life is just one beautiful balance walk. Hmm. Those are the people. Those are minds. Their minds are sweetly occupied with higher things. And they're not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise in such imperfect creatures like us, right? Mm. Mm. Joy in the Lord is the cure for discord. Mm. Say it again, John. I will say it again, brother. <laughs> Joy in the Lord is cure for discord. Can right. I get a witness? Mm, amen. Amen. I believe it. I believe it. Joy in the Lord can cure all kinds of things. And then it goes on to say this, that let your gentleness be evident to all. Evident means what? It needs to be seen, seen right? Like this gentleness that's inside of you, this attribute of God isn't something that just stays in here. No, like when you go to work, like people should say, there's gentleness about you. Or at home, they should recognize your gentleness. Or wherever you go, especially at Walmart, they should recognize your <laughs> gentleness, right? This isn't something that we just keep inside, right? Man. I think of other words like this. I think of uh, mildness. I think of patience. I think of mercy. I think of moderation. I think of the unwillingness to litigate or contend. Like this describes the heart of a person who will let the Lord fight his battles. That's right. That's right. Romans 12, 19 says this. He knows that ven vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It describes a person who is really free to let go of his anxieties and the things that cause him stress because he knows the Lord will take up his cause. Then it says the Lord is near. And I love it. It's kind of twofold for me. It says the Lord is near. The Lord is coming back soon. Jesus Christ one day will come back soon. Amen. And at that time, he will take care of all the injustices. He will make every wrong. He will make right. Mm, Let him fight the battles. It also says this the Lord is near, right? So he's with us. He's watching us. This part convicts me. Because my wife would probably say, I'm a gentle person to a lot of people, but around 9 o'clock at night, my gentleness goes when the kids are trying to go to bed, <laughs> right? So when you look at your spouse, what do they see? Do they see gentleness as a part of you? Forget the rest of the world. Maybe you just start in your home. Does your spouse recognize this gentleness? Do your kids recognize this gentleness? Students, kids, do your parents recognize this gentleness about mm. you? So what have we talked about? We talked about rejoicing, right? Say it again. Rejoice. We've talked about gentleness. How are you doing? How are you doing? Honestly. Because I can tell you right now, I'm not doing very well. It's easy for me to stand up here and tell you how to be, but listen, I struggle with this. I struggle. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes I don't want, I want to fake it. Here, are, you, are, you, are you agreeing with me mm -hmm. here? Is there some truth yeah. in that? Sometimes I, I'm not, you could use a lot of different pronouns, but gentle Jerry, probably not. No. <laughs> you know, and that, that's something to be proud of because my gentleness is supposed to be evident to all. So maybe like me, you're feeling a little defeated right now. You're saying, why did I come here to hear this? Because this is not encouraging. Listen to me. You're not alone. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit to guide you. 
and you're never alone. Amen. He's going to be there with you. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to uphold you. He's there. And he's not just there for the victories. He's not just there when the weather's good. He's there for every failure. He's there for every hardship. He's there for every difficulty. So balance requires a joyful attitude, and it requires a gentle disposition. So great, that's true. How do I actually make that happen in my life? Let me give you one way that that really happens, and that is praying. Being a person who prays, a person who talks to the Lord. You're not alone, and what prayer is there for you to do is to have a talk with Jesus, have a conversation with God, to be reminded. Remember, it's not there to change God's mind. Prayer's never been there to change God's mind. It's there to change ours and make our minds more like His. And when when we talk to the Lord, that begins to happen. And you need to. You need to because how many of us are struggling with anxiety right now? The challenges that you face in life, they can shred us on the inside, right? And that's what that is. That's that's anxiety. And some of those challenges, they seem overwhelming. But Jesus is never overwhelmed. If the cross couldn't overwhelm Jesus then your problems won't overwhelm Jesus. Amen. Amen? He'll give you a peace. Now, the Apostle Paul said, a peace that passes understanding. You know what that means? It means a peace that makes no sense, that isn't based on the circumstances, right? And that peace, he said, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And if you're saying heart, that's emotions. If you're saying mind, that's thoughts, your emotions and your thoughts. Let me ask you a question. Where does your anxiety come from if it doesn't come from your emotions and your thoughts? And he says balance comes from peace. Balance comes from peace. Now, the kind of peace he's talking about, it passes understanding, which means doesn't make sense, which means it isn't based on how good your life is, the circumstances of your life. It's not the absence of difficulty, but he's giving you peace right in the middle of difficulty. John, talk to us some more about that. So if our hearts and our minds are being emptied of these things of anxiety and stress, then what do we fill them with? God's word tells us, right? It says true things, noble things, right things, pure things, lovely things, excellent and praiseworthy things. Just pause there for a moment. If those things were to fill your mind, if you were to think only of true, pure, and lovely things, excellent and praiseworthy things, what would your life, what would your day look like? I'd be hard to find it that'd be filled with chaos. I'd bet there would be a lot more peace and balance in mm. your life. Well, how do, you, how do you get some of those things? How do, you, how do you see lovely things and pure? Well, it's the examples around you. Who are you putting yourself around? Do you have good examples in your life? Are the examples in your life good ones that are bringing these things, or are they ones feeling of chaos and maybe unbalance? Do your kids, do your uh, spouse, do they have these circles? Are they in close proximity to these good environments where they're seeing these lovely things, these praiseworthy and excellent things? How about your example to the people you care about most? Are you being this to them? See, right now, many of you, like me, are feeling the burden of how far you away from anything that could be called balance. 
But Paul talks about what it's like knowing, knowing in the best of circumstances and the worst of circumstances. Our first pregnancy was awesome, to say the least. It was, it was interesting. We'd been trying for several years. And we found out that we were pregnant. We were thrilled. We were excited. Not only to find out that we were pregnant with one, but two. Then to find out that they were in the same sack. Okay. Then not to find that just that, but also that they are conjoined at the belly. Okay. Excited? Yes. Nervous? You better believe it. Through this, through this pregnancy, we came up right from the very beginning after finding out all this news in a matter of a couple weeks. We decided very from the beginning this motto for the glory of God. Mm. Like no matter what throughout the whole pregnancy that for the glory of God, whatever may happen, all for God's glory. I remember a specific prayer. Now, there were many, many prayers lifted to the heavens, but I remember this one specific. It was in their nursery as we were prepping for the nursery. I, I got down on my knees during the day, and I remember crying out to God, God, this would be awesome for you. God, do a miracle. This would be great for your kingdom. This would be great. If they were to live and be separated, what a testimony that they would have. Oh, the things that they would tell. God, how did you receive so much glory? Your kingdom would continue to advance and incredible things would happen. All for your glory, God. Also think of the, all the people during, during this time, the church family. They're a beautiful thing. The bride of Christ, how they came along and send up prayer after prayer, petitions after petitions, that people would journey as they fasted and pray for our twins, that they lifted up prayers saying, God, let a miracle happen. Let incredible things happen. Now, throughout the months, because it was such a uh, high-risk surgery, we had been part of many ultrasounds. We would be in there for hours upon hours. They wanted to know every angle, everything about our boys. They wanted to make sure that they knew before the surgery what they were going into and what they knew how to do that, what to do to separate it, so we knew what an ultrasound was all about. At 32 weeks, we headed out to Philadelphia. That was where um, they have great success in separating conjoined twins, so we wanted nothing but the best. So we flew out uh, to Philadelphia, and we are going to stay there till the duration. Well, I remember being a Monday morning, and we had another doctor's appointment. We went to it, um, just like all the rest of them, went to the sound, into the room, and uh, started to take the ultrasound. Except this one was different. Instead of seeing all the colors, the blues and the reds and the beeps and the movements, we find ourselves staring at a black and white screen. The nurse left to go get the doctor, only to come back in confirming what Sean and I already knew, that the boys were gone, that it was over. I remember them taking us to another room where we had to call our parents and our, our close friends and explain that it was over. The boys were gone for the glory of God. Only a week later, being in this room, celebrating their life, and then burying them all in a week's time. I don't know if I will ever have on this side of heaven the answer that I'm looking for. Or even when I get to heaven, if I will get the answer for why. Because still to this day, I think they would have an incredible testimony. My 12-year-old boys will be preaching Jesus left and right. 
I have wonders, I have whys, I have concerns, I still have doubts why it had to be this way. But I'm here to tell you this, my God's good. Mm. He's faithful. Yes. My Jesus never left me nor forsake me. In yes. the best of circumstances, he is with me, but in the lowest of lows of my life, I had a peace that passed, passed all understanding. Jesus was my strength. He was my wife and I's strength during that time. All praise be to Jesus for the glory of God. See, sometimes we misunderstand what Paul means when he says he can do all things that strengthens me through Christ Jesus. He isn't saying how hard you can hit, but how hard you can be hit and still keep moving forward. Mm. Because the direction determines destination. It's the choice you make about your attitude and not just what, but who you're putting your trust in. I know that what John just shared with you about his life overlays a lot of challenges that you all are facing at all of our locations in your life. And so this idea of balance is a critical idea. How do I do it? How do I put Christ first in my life? Even when I don't have all the answers and I feel all that frustration. What, I, what we want to do in this better series, John and I, is we want to give you some practical ways that you can embrace today so that you can move forward in those challenges. One of them being this, our This Gen team, the, ki- the, the staff that pours into our kids week in and week out, they do a great job of teaching our kids Scripture, coming alongside us as parents and grandparents and showing them what it is to love Jesus, to learn Scripture. Well, one of those things, they give us a resource because I know sometimes when we leave here, we maybe can feel a little bit inadequate. Like, how do I actually do this? You guys do a great job, but how do I actually have conversations with my kids or how do I teach them Scripture? Well, let me show you this. It's called the Parent Q app. And this is an awesome resource that I love. Like, I have all my kids on here, Thea, Jadwin, Clark, and Milo. What this does is it a resource. So now I know what Thea's learning back there. She's learning about hope. She's learning about Scripture, John 16, And what was neat, I was opening this app last week, and I was talking to her about the Scripture. And as I was saying the Scripture, she finished it for me. Mm. How encouraging that is. It shows what we can do during morning times, drive times, meal times, and even bedtime. So as a parent, this is a great resource that helps come alongside me and helps equip me and gives me the right things to say and helps me lock in with what they're teaching them in the back, and I can continue to reinforce that here. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have this app and you have a child back there or a grandchild, download this app. Go to this QR code here. Download the app, or if you can't get the QR code, parentq.org forward slash the app, and let that be a great resource for you. With regard to prayer, some of you may remember I preached a sermon a while back and I said I have a prescription I take every day, one in the morning and one in the evening. Not a pill, but a spiritual prescription. I called it my 292s from Psalm 92. And what it says in Psalm 92 is I proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. What I'd like to do is establish a discipline in my life where every morning before I really get started with my day, I proclaim his love. Like, regardless of what happens, regardless of what I face, circumstances, situations, I know if God keeps his word, and he always does, he loves me. Amen. He loves me, and it'll never change. I need to be reminded of that 
every day. It changes my attitude. It's a choice I make. In the evening, I take the second one, which is, and his faithfulness at night. So when I I look at the day, I evaluate the day, I think about the day, was God faithful? The answer is yes. He was faithful in that day. And I'm reminded that my God not only loves me, but he is faithful to me. Install that as part of your prayer time. It makes a difference. The other one is this, is have good examples. I believe I have the life that I have now because of the men and women that I've surrounded myself with. It's so important that we have good examples. And I encourage each of us to have those people that you can learn from, people that you can walk this life with. Maybe you don't have anybody, look around you. If you see someone, a a lady or a gentleman in this church that you admire, you think, man, they just always seem to walk and look like to have a balanced life. How about you go up to them and say, let's go get some coffee sometime. Commit to follow them. Commit to learn from. Commit to do life with. I can think of 10 men I can call right now, and they would stop whatever they're doing, and they would help me. How important that is to know that you don't have to journey this life alone. Maybe you're a couple or a family. You need other, other influences with you that have, maybe have kids with you. I encourage you to join a life group. Do life with them. Get into their home. Watch how they raise their kids. Look at the good examples around you. The worst thing you can do is not do that. I encourage you to find an example. And you're never too old to have those examples Mm -hmm. or mentors. I know I have mentors in my life that I allow to speak into my life. They were incredible help to me in the last year as Allison and I were going through this transition, both for her and for me. So give people permission, people that are those good examples to just speak into your life. And if you're eliminating some things in your life to fill them with other things, fill those spaces with the very best of things. And here's, here's the easy button. Here's the easy thing to do. Are you ready? It's profound. Go to church. Say it again. Go to church. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, listen. Listen why. That seat, you know, we we rear-end tested those seats. They're comfortable at all of our locations, right? It's not that hard. It's not that hard to go to church. And this is what happens when you go to church. If you have kids, they're hearing the Word of God. They're developing. You have a partner in ministry, right? You sit in here and you hear the word. You hear God's word. You stand up and you begin to praise and worship and your problems get smaller and God's power gets bigger because you're realizing that, right? And you leave encouraged, not discouraged, encouraged to make the right decisions and the right moves. It's not that hard. You need to go to church. And I don't mean once a month. I mean consistently. That's a great place to start, John. And last is the amen to that. No good. I agree to that. Finally, Mark 8, 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world but yet forfeit their soul? What do you want for your life? What do you want for your kid's life? What I want for my kids, I want them to love the Lord, their God, with all amen. their heart, mind, soul, and yes. strength. I want them to love the church. I want them to love the people of God, the bride of Christ, the hope of the world. I want them to know that the church will stand and they will play a major part for the rest of their lives in the bride of Christ. I want them to know that in whatever career path, wherever they go, that the foundation of who they are, their identity is found only in Christ. And everything else they do flows from that. Amen. 
today, maybe the last thing you need to do or the only thing you need to do today is this, is put a stake in the ground and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve serve the the Lord. Lord. All right. Amen. The definition of insanity is this, and you know it, doing the same thing over and over and over, but expecting a different result. Mm. If we're going to make that declaration, as for me and my house, we're going to serve, maybe there are going to be some changes. Put something, break up your routine, and put something godly in there, something to reinforce what we're talking about. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done, so finally, as for me and my house, say it with me, we We will serve serve the the Lord. Lord. I want you to think about this as we move to a time of decision. Hey, brother. So you're thinking something while I'm walking down the stairs like that. Because I have a new respect for stairs. Because on Wednesday, I was coming down my stairs at my house, and my stairs uh, have a 90 degree, so they go down like, I don't know, six, seven steps. There's a landing, and then six, seven steps the other way. And we're doing some remodeling. It's time because that the carpet there shag. And uh, and there's been a lot of drywall dust that's come up, and so there was kind of a. And it was early in the morning, and I'm coming down that second part of stairs, and I lost my footing, and I did a slide in home. You know what I'm saying? Except for it wasn't on nice flat sandy ground, it was on those steps, and it was boom, boom, boom. And it really hurt. And my wife is doing her devotions uh, at our table. And uh, of course she heard that. Every people in the next block heard that. And uh, are you okay? (laughs) And there's a ton of emotions happening simultaneously in my head. Like number one, am I dead? (laughs) Number two, how bad is it? Like, how much damage have I done? And, uh, but one of the big ones that, that kind of rose up was just embarrassment. You know, old people fall down the steps, not me, you know? And I know my kids are looking for the, you know, the quick ride for me to the nursing home, so I'm like, hey. So I was embarrassed. And then, you know, the fact that the guy that was helping me upstairs was asking if I was all right now, Sin was asking if, if I was all right. Actually, it had a weird impact on me. I got mad because I was embarrassed and, and they were kind of pointing it out to me. And, and I didn't know how to respond. And I was just like, just give me a minute, you know? But it was not nice. I didn't, it was not let your gentleness be evident to all. (laughs) Really frustrated. You know why? Lack of balance. Lack of balance. In my head, I can remember when I could fly down down those stairs. My feet would barely touch. I could go two steps at a time if I wanted to. And somewhere in my head, I still think I can do that, but my body isn't agreeing with me anymore. Right? You suffering with a lack of balance? 
Maybe you don't realize it and you think you can manage something on your own that you really can't. How many of you right now are carrying around the bruises and the scars of times you thought you could hold things in balance when you really couldn't? And what happened to you? You got hurt. You felt embarrassment. Some of you may have even gotten angry. Some of you maybe even blamed God. Because as I was assessing that pain, I was kind of mad at God. I was going, i got to preach this week. I was mad at my wife just for caring. You know why? Because she was safe. Because I knew she could take that, and that wasn't right of me. And I think when you deal with stuff like this, that's how I think you feel. You're embarrassed. You're angry. You're angry at yourself. But you kind of want to let that spill out on other people. Probably the ones you think are safe. Because you thought you had balance. But you didn't. It's exactly what John said. It's not a part of your life. Jesus and our intimate personal relationship with him is not a part of your life. It has to be the overpowering part of your life. So here's what I'm saying. Some of you right now, you need to do a little business with God. You need to have a conversation with God. That's what these steps are for right now. You have a relationship with Christ, but you need to deal with some balance issues. Here's an opportunity right now to just go to God with it. Let him have it. The thing I love about him is that he's there. We never take a spill where he's not right there. Even when we don't want him and we haven't invited him, he's still right there to pick us up, to love us through it, to help us get back up on our feet again. If you're here today and you don't have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't care what you tell me. I know something's true about you and it's this. You don't have balance because there is no balance unless Jesus Christ is on the throne of your heart. And if he isn't, and today is the day he becomes king of your heart and sits on the throne of your heart, there's going to be someone right over there by the baptistry that would love to talk to you about your next steps. Online, there'll be somebody there to talk to you right now in the chat. Whatever God is laying on your heart right now, let him have it as you stand with me. Let's pray together. In Jesus' name, we come to you, Father, and I pray that you will make us aware that all the defense mechanisms will come down. All of the self-sufficiency would go away, and we would just recognize how desperately we need you in order to have that balance. I pray, Father, you would accomplish a great and mighty thing in this place, right now, in this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen.